about being worn out you can talk about all kinds of things for your own purpose and self-control but it's all tied to again that self-worth the reason you set up those boundaries is because you're worth it you're worth not falling into those traps and so boundaries can be both good and bad Welcome to Hope Forward with Matt and Pat. I'm Matt. I'm Pat. And today on episode three, we're going to talk about boundaries. Pat, what do boundaries mean to you? What are boundaries? I don't know that anyone has seen it crisply defined, but boundaries is, well, that's a tough question, Matt. I would say... It's not a bookstore. No. Not anymore. (laughs) No. I would say boundaries is the ability for someone to know when to pull away and when to lean in what to what maybe rule I don't want to say rules but what actions to set up so that they protect themselves boundaries is a good thing it's a healthy thing it mm. it allows someone to be mentally healthy it allows someone to be physically healthy mm. You know, we see a lot of uh, boundary crossing in both arenas lately, and if you pay attention to the world. So I would say boundaries is the ability for someone to protect themselves almost. Mm-hmm. But having boundaries leads to your ability to search for goals, look inwardly, mm-hmm. search yourself, pull away you know jesus set boundaries he pulled away by himself all the time to pray he didn't yeah um, he walked down to a sea because he was tired of those disciples of the boat that's right he was just <laughs> done i'm putting the sea between me and you <laughs> all right that's right and then he passed him up yeah uh you know it said that he wouldn't allow himself to do certain things because he knew what was in the hearts of men mm-hmm. so i don't know i mean it's hard to define because it is sort of ethereal it's mm-hmm. sort of vague, but you know it when you have it. And you know, it, I think you know it more when you don't have it. Yeah. When you don't have healthy boundaries, because you feel tired, you feel hopeless, you feel drawn out, you feel worn. But the ability to set up boundaries is the ability to set yourself apart for your own sake. And mm-hmm. it sounds selfish, but it's really not. Yeah. Because if you're not healthy, you can hurt others around you. Yeah. It's almost like it's a mechanism for. Not really defining, but for bolstering and protecting your self-worth. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Right. And and, and, and not think, in a prideful way. Right. It's in like a I respect myself kind of way. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think it's kind of interesting because we talked about purpose, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then we, we talked about, you know, kind of, you know, working in self-reflection on yourself. If you don't come out of those kind of processes with something that's like, you know, I'm valuable in this way or on that sort of this way, you don't really understand the value of setting a boundary as a way to protect that purpose right. or protect that, that, that talents, those <clears throat> gifts, those things that you have, you know? Yeah. And another reason for boundaries is for self-control, mm-hmm. which what kind of self-control, all kinds of self-control. <laughs> I mean, you you're can, not going to jump on that trap. <laughs> you can, you can talk about addiction. You can talk about anger. Yeah. You can talk about, um, you can talk about being worn out. You can talk about all kinds of things for your own purpose and self-control, but it's all tied to, again, that self-worth. The reason you set up those boundaries is because you're worth it. You're worth not falling into those traps. And so boundaries can be both good and bad, but a lack of boundaries, I think, is always bad. I mean, parents set up boundaries even with their kids, yeah. right? Like Some do. Some do, but, <laughs> you know, we were talking about teaching our children like your children need to learn mm-hmm. because they'll carry that with them to uh, to other relationships mm-hmm. right and of course addiction you know you set up boundaries to not ever do that I I, I don't drink anymore and <laughs> when I go to places and people offer me a beer I'm like no that's okay I'll just take a diet coke and they go oh, you you don't drink and I <laughs> one of my sayings is is I don't have a problem starting drinking it's the problem stopping that I have a problem with, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's just a fun time. And I, I sort of became that way when I was a pastor and it's not that I don't think you can have a drink and I, you know, it's that, but I just know my own lack of self-control. So boundaries help you with self-control, mm-hmm. which inevitably help you in your purpose and your gifts in your life, you know, and, and then when you cross those boundaries, mm-hmm. you, suffer those consequences yeah and they can be all kinds of ways you know how i got a boundary on drinking how's that your brother because <laughs> he, he made me regret a 21st birthday <laughs> forever and i forever will never drink that much ever again well that was all part of the plan uh, right? yeah he's like let me teach you why this is not fun but yeah no i, I think you know i, I think one of the key things is if for people to understand the importance of boundaries, you have to, you kind of have to understand what you're protecting, mm-hmm. right? Like if you look at it from like, think about old history, right? Mm-hmm. Like why did we have boundaries on lands? Like why was there a bastion as a boundary of a castle and things like right. that? It's, it's a def- I don't want to say it's a defense mechanism, but it, it is in many ways like a defense thing that you use to protect and, and, and you know, bolster what you have, right? Um, but I also think it's a growth tool, right? Mm -hmm. Coming back to self-reflection, you have to kind of identify, and we talked about this, you have to identify the stressors, the things that are coming in, and then you have to be able to put boundaries around those in order to let yourself get back up, right? Like metaphorically speaking, these things have knocked you down. If you don't keep these things at bay, you're never going to stand back up Mm -hmm. on your feet, right? Um, and I think that's another thing that that's an interesting perspective about boundaries. It's you need to use them to help protect and grow yourself, but then you also have to keep those boundaries healthy and happy and mm-hmm. build good habits to make sure they're there. If you take them away, those, those things that were helping you start yeah. or hurting you start seeping back in. Yeah. And it's not always super negative, right? Like yeah. a, a lack of boundaries can make you hopeless. I mean, take 
being a pastor, for instance, I mean, it was preached and preached and preached to me in seminary by multiple professors, by by other pastors, you need to take a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. You need to get away. And as a pastor, your heart is for, for your congregation. It's for your people. I mean, if someone dies, you want to do the funeral. If a baby's born, you want to do the baptism. If, you know, or... You know, if you do believers' baptism, when they get older, you want to do it. If you are in a church that, like the Methodist church that does infant baptisms and then confirmation, you want to be a part of all that. And I think you're supposed to be. But in the life of the pastor, the pastor needs to set up boundaries so that they can be healthy. Because if they're not healthy, then you're ministering out of emptiness. And if you're doing it out of emptiness... You're, you're not doing it out of the fullness of who you are. And so you can become hopeless because then it's just drudgery. I got this, I got that. And, and I've experienced that. <clears throat> I know many pastors have. And so you have to get over the, man, it feels so selfish to take a Friday and say, I'm not, take, I'm, I'm not doing anything on a Friday. I mean, to the point of, I have friends that I would could call successful ministers. We can get it. I mean, that's a whole other tangent, but I would say they're successful. Their their ministry is fruitful. Mm. People love them. They lead Bible studies. They're you know they're not all big churches. I'm not just talking numbers, but they're successful, and they have set up boundaries to the point of, look, when I'm off, I'm off. If there's a funeral that day, I can't do it. Mm. I'll do it another day. If there's a wedding that day. I can't do it. I mean, they have just cut, you know, and it sounds harsh, but it's for them to be healthy, mm-hmm. for their mental health, for their physical health. Being a pastor is physically tiring. Mm-hmm. You're up at any, you know, again, because that's what you want to do. You get the call at 2 a.m. You want to go to the hospital to be with the family. Mm-hmm. You want to be there. But you need to set up those boundaries because if you don't, eventually you just get drained mm-hmm. and you get hopeless then. Yeah. And it's no longer... In, in, the same, in this context, in ministry context, you're no longer doing it out of love. Mm-hmm. You're doing it out of obligation. Mm-hmm. And out of obligation, and some things isn't bad. Sometimes you just got to do stuff out of obligation. But And so you need to set up boundaries so that you can be healthy. And, it's, and I use ministry as an example because that's what, what I know. But I would argue even in the corporate world, I've heard of CEOs that take a month off just to go think so they can dream and and cast vision and think about where they want to take their business. Yeah. Um, If you're just an employee, like what I do now, like, you know, my boss, he's a good boss and he's always like, you need to take your vacation. You need to take, you need to get away from here. You need to take your, you know, you need to take your three weeks. It doesn't all have to be at once. Probably couldn't all be at once, but Mm -hmm. you need to take your time. You've earned it. You need to get away from here. Unplug. For your sake, because anything can just be done out of emptiness, mm-hmm. and and then you get hopeless. And setting a boundary is what helps you get hopeful because it takes you out of a certain situation. It can. It could take you out of a certain situation. It can help you reorient. It can help you get a new perspective. It can help you look at things in a new light. It can recharge you. It can fill you up. And then you can go back into that same situation maybe if we're talking about work, but you're much more hopeful you're vigorous, you know, you're mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. And without boundaries, you just get used. I think a lot of people, when they, they hear the terms of boundaries, they also think about boundaries around toxicity, right? Yep. And then you, you mentioned the, the, the leadership business type one. I, I want to dig into all three. Okay. And so, like, digging into, like, the first one. So you, you mentioned being a pastor. Zoom it out, right? <clears throat> you're, 
part of a nonprofit, you're, you know, you feel called, you're going for some purpose, you know, you know, it requires sacrifice for mm-hmm. me. I mean, that, that, that's what it is. You, you're, it's something that, yeah, you get called all hours of the night. You've got something like that. You're doing good for people, that sort of thing. Um, what do you think is the hardest reason why people who feel that they have that purpose and they're called to those things have the hardest time setting a boundary? Oh, and and to, to, to clarify this, you know, to reiterate, there is inherent value in re-energizing and stepping away so you are fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So this person is doing good inherently, mm-hmm. like they've devoted their lives to being good, right? You know, think of it as any extreme you want, whether it's like a nun or a monk or just you know, being a participant in a nonprofit. But how is it that... <clears throat> What is the hardest reason why that individual doesn't understand that they're putting themselves in a position to be exhausted and, and become hopeless because they don't know how to recognize setting a boundary? Like, why is it hard for them to do that, you think? I think one word, obligation. You feel an obligation to those people and yeah. you feel an obligation to God. But if I can take it maybe a step deeper or further, in a lot of ways, pastors feel like spiritual parents to their congregation and so let's just take it to natural parenthood parents should set boundaries with their children too i mean even even parents need to like get some kid free time for their own sanity Mm -hmm. that's why date night is so important right with married couples that's why kids being able to go see grandma or grandpa or or it doesn't even have to be a day or overnight but a couple of hours Mm -hmm. like Go play, go, you know, that's, um, in one of my pastoral counseling classes, you know, um, uh, professor Dobbs Wiggins, man, she was so awesome. I loved her to death. And she would always say, (laughs) she would always say, we don't ever use the word crazy in here. I know that's popular to say you're crazy, this and that. Well, I got her to call me crazy one time in class. She said, you're crazy. (laughs) And I said, Oh God, you know, whatever. She was so great though. Loving woman. But she would say like, we need to tell parents, like of newborns, it's okay to put the baby down if they're crying. Mm. Because you get frustrated. Why is this thing crying? Why is this child not... I fed it. It slept. It's clean. Well... Because it's a Tamagotchi and it's going to die. <laughs> right. There you go. That's <laughs> one reason, possibly. But you know, it's like... But parents need to set boundaries with kids. But it's hard. Mm-hmm. Because you feel like that's not loving them. Mm-hmm. You feel obligated to meet their needs. Mm-hmm. And what we don't realize is whether it's parenting, being a pastor, even in, even in uh, business where you might be serving or, or in that, you, you are not meeting the needs of those people mm-hmm. if you yourself are unhealthy. Yeah. What do you think that, again, looking to, to kind of make this relevant for, for certain listeners, what do you think it looks like when they don't recognize that they know how to set that boundary because they've taken on that mm. obligation? I'm leading the witness. <laughs> you should, tired? Yeah. Angry? Burden. Burden. Like that, that's the way I think of it. Um, stressed, always stressed. Yeah. Uh, everything is a big deal because, because you haven't set the boundaries. You're hopeless. Yeah. You're tired, you're burdened, you're stressed, you're you're operating out of a sense of emptiness. Mm-hmm. So any little thing is now an emergency. Yeah. And again, I'm talking about good parents that I know that get this way that need to step back. I'm talking about good pastors that I know that need to get this way. I'm talking about good people in the business world that I know that that 
it's like it it can honestly lead to health issues. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the, the whole know? time we're talking, like uh, I'll put him on blast. My dad, <laughs> like, dude, he's one hundred percent an example of this, right? You know, um, and no disrespect at all to him, right? No, like, I think that he's he's it's a, a, it's a deep job. sense of but, yeah. obligation. But like he, you know, as a pastor, he was very much like you know. I remember, um, I remember coming home after football practice at times, right? And like, and he'd be like, "Hey, son, like, I'm gonna need you to cook dinner for yourself tonight because uh, you know someone just got in the hospital, and I'm gonna I'm gonna head home. And I'm gonna go, you know, drive to Waco to help them out. Um, right. You know that it, it might be their final hours, and you know we need to make sure that they're they're gonna pass correctly, right? Um, so I'll be home probably really late." Um, you know, but we should be around to get you to school tomorrow if, any, if anything right. goes wrong, right? Or take the car to school tomorrow if you need to. And, and if that's a one-time thing, or, or and it's not going to be a one-time thing. I mean, we keep using being a pastor as an sure. example, but that's just the world I oh, come we'll out of. Oh, we'll move off this. Don't worry. Oh, I know. But I'm just <laughs> saying, like, and if it's a one-time thing or a multiple-time thing, but we have taken and set the groundwork to set boundaries, to mm. set that day up to be with family, to set that day up to be... A, by ourselves to pray, to seek God, to be with our children, then those aren't that big a deal. Right. Right? But it's when those times happen and it's just one more thing. Yeah. It's always just one more It's just always one more thing. Right. And so you see it. It's sort of a spiritual principle. You can see it with the king, the, I say the kingdom of Israel, that it did become a kingdom, but with the Hebrew people when they left Egypt, when they disobeyed God and they didn't do what God said and they got outside their boundaries, mm. they they hit hard times. Mm. Boundaries aren't set up to confine you. Mm. Boundaries are set up so that you have freedom. Yeah. And it's in freedom that you have hope. Yeah. AA is a good example of this, mm-hmm. right? I mean, my dad, he's AA, was an addict. Hit, I mean, he, he would say all this himself. Again, not putting anybody on blast. He's got a great testimony. But he would say, I needed someone to get in the ditch with me, teach me how to dig myself out. Right. And then AA helps set that boundary where he's been clean for over a decade, but he still goes every week because it yeah. helps set the boundary. Well, and in that boundary, it. that's right. And in, that, in those boundaries, you have freedom. Yeah. And, you, and you're alive. Mm. And you have hope. Mm. And when you're just tired and run down and this world is so fast mm-hmm. and, and just and it just pulls, 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 draws, draws, draws. People working all hours of the time, people working seven days a week. You gotta get this done, gotta get this done, gotta get this out. And you just I mean, yeah. and there's never any like, look, look, I'm it's not, not a slave. Right. Right? Like yeah. I need to go home and spend some time with my family and not think about I need to completely unplug. Right. Yeah, and I, you're hopeless. You get you become hopeless. Right. The reason why I'm trying to point this out is because if you have, if if you felt like you had a purpose, you feel like you had passion, and you went into this thing, and then you started to like, you got tired, right? right. Things come. And I, I think you'll, you'll hear people say, "I'm tired," but you don't. You notice that it's not just that you're tired. It's you feel like life's missing. You mm-hmm. feel like there's no reason anymore. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I struggling? And I and I like I saw my dad. I've saw other pastors like you and others who just like. I felt called to this higher thing. I felt like I needed to do. And then it like at some point it became a struggle, right? It didn't become a flow. It didn't come up. It didn't, it was no longer a way of life. It wasn't a feeling of purpose. It mm-hmm. was just like, and I, and it became a cross to bear, right? Instead of a burden. And I think that's one of those first indicators that like you need as part of self-reflection and part of purpose, you need to set that boundary. And, and this is, I think one of the reasons why people get lost. And this is the point I really want to get to is that, 
you may have found your passion. You may have found your purpose, the thing you want to do, but you, <laughs> you hit the gas so hard into it that you forgot to take a step back, mm-hmm. right? And, and let yourself recover, let yourself recharge. Mm-hmm. You burned yourself out, you got tired, and then now you start questioning things all over again. And guess what? You didn't need to question anything. Mm-hmm. It's still there. You're still called to do what you're supposed to do, or you're still passionate about what you're supposed to do, but you need to let yourself rest. And so you need to put a boundary against a good thing, right? And it's not wrong. I think that's the, the hardest thing for some people. Right. It's like, I'm, again, obligation. I'm doing this thing. I have this servitude. And you don't know that putting a boundary against it makes you more effective. And, and, and I have another kind of segue for that in a second. Right. right. And I think we need to be new, a little nuanced in that, in that what I would say is boundaries might help you recognize what is worth sacrificing for. Mm-hmm. Because there are some things that are worth sacrificing for. You know, Jesus said, pick up your cross. The problem with not having boundaries is a lot of times you end up picking up everybody else's cross with you. Right. Right? We're called to carry our own cross. We are called to help one another with our burdens. But you can't do that if you if if you aren't healthy. If you right. aren't, you know. And so, I mean, I think, I think it's not just sacrifice. It's not saying that I'm not, and I know you weren't saying this. I just think it needs to be said. There's a nuance in that. Sometimes there are things worth sacrificing for. Oh, yeah. That's not a lack of boundaries. Yeah. I mean, Jesus sacrificed himself. Jesus carried his cross, but he knew yeah. what sacrifice to well, make. There's certain boundaries. He knew you, what cross to carry. There, there's certain boundaries that are like like a cell membrane, right, where it lets some things in and some things out. You know, right. you dial it up, dial it down, because there are moments when you need to extend yourself, right? right. You do need to be tired and you need to push through, right? Like mind mm-hmm. over matter. But then there's other boundaries where it's like you don't ever let those things go away, right? Because right. catastrophe is on the other side of that. That's right. And and those boundaries are for your health in general. Mm. And, um, and even in your own sacrifice, you can still have those boundaries. Mm. You can still have boundaries and sacrifice. You can still have boundaries and struggle. Um, you know, married couples should sacrifice for one another and serve one another, right? Yet, I'll just use myself as an example. Not that I'm the example. I not, might not even be a good example. But Lindsay does a lot for me. My wife sacrifices a lot for me to take care of me. She looks at, she puts me first a lot. I try to put her first. She probably does it better than me. However, everyone in my household knows Sundays is my day mm-hmm. of rest. Mm-hmm. Like we ain't planning a birthday party. We're not planning, <laughs> you know, I mean, when it gets summertime, I might go to the pool, but mm-hmm. I'm going to come home from church. I'm going to do my laundry and I'm probably going to plop down on the TV right. and not, I'm not going to mow. I'm not going to, I'll do all that on Saturday. I will work my tail off on a Saturday, mm-hmm. but I have to have that day of just not having to do anything because I'm about to have six days in front of me of right. Full schedule. Yep. You know? And so, but even on a Sunday, I'm still, I'm still called to serve my wife, love her, help mm-hmm. her if she needs it. You know, it's not like I'm like, it's Sunday, and I shut myself off in a room, and no one talks to me, right? <laughs> going so, to my man cave. So it's like, alone. yeah, even in boundaries, you still, I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, there is a lot of nuance in this, and I, and I know you recognize that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think, like, if someone's listening to this, and they're like, well, I'm sacrificing, and I feel like that it's worth it, I, I would say, sail on, 
Yeah. Run on. They're a sacrifice that is worth it. Yeah. It's when you feel like you're sacrificing yourself and you're getting hopeless mm-hmm. and that, and you're not, I would say there's no purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and I know you were getting at with like the pastor where it's like, well, it's just an obligation then. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are times where pastors have to sacrifice their time themselves. Yeah. That's what we're called to, but there's a grace for that. And you like doing that. But then there's the time where it's like, like I said, it, the day-to-day things just become so mundane mm. because you haven't taken that time to take care of yourself. And I'm and I know that it's even that way in quote unquote secular the secular world. Everyone mm. needs to set their boundaries. Yeah. You know. Well what's interesting is I think there's a there's a trap that you can fall into as well. And like and this is an interesting signal I've also seen like what I've talked to some of my employees who are like are tired and, you know, we've had this big push in this project mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, you know, frustrated and things like that. And I think one of the, the interesting signs I've seen of people who, who feel like they're having an obligation and pushing forward and they don't have a boundary. Right. Um, one signal that I've seen is they'll, their language they use is, well, I've been doing a whole lot for these people but like they're not doing something for me or this situation right. isn't benefiting me or it's not really turning out for me. Like you hear a whole bunch of this, like you got, you've got a case of the me's, right. <laughs> you know, and, and I've seen that also in like, and I don't think it, you, you have to understand that if someone's speaking that way, they're thinking that way. And so I think that's another signal for someone who is put themselves in an obligation situation or they're, or, or they're doing a whole lot and they haven't figured out how to set a boundary mm. to kind of like, take care of themselves and it's burning themselves out from that there. If your language that you're communicating with yourself is I, 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 and it's never them, them, them doing stuff for me. Like you're, you're a victim, you're playing a victim and maybe you are and that's fine, but you need to realize that like, that's probably a good signal that you haven't set a boundary, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're out, you're outputting right too much. You're not getting poured back into well, and, and, my, and, and you're going to, you're going to lose your identity. You're going to lose your focus. Right. You're going to lose your purpose because you're doing that. Right. Um, and you're yeah. going to become hopeless. Exactly. You're going to become it, a it, pile it, of poo. It, it might be. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> a big old stinking pile of poo, but it might be a good signal too, that you're being manipulated and used. That's true. I mean, and I think that's actually a good segue into the other the other type of boundaries, toxic okay. boundaries. There you go. Like yes. to- toxic relationships. And I think this is the one that's probably, this is the other lens. Like I think you, you the first part is you've got people who, okay, I kind of found what I was looking for. I found my passion, but like I overdid it and I lost my passion. Why? I didn't set a boundary. And then you have people who are like, oh, I'm in a toxic marriage, toxic relationship, toxic work environment. You know, I seem to be really frustrated and I don't think I can do anything else. Like I remember talking to some people um, like where they'll be like, I don't like, oh, I can never get that job or I can never go to school, right? right? Or I can never do this or I'm not as smart as you, right? And like that's just hopeless speech, Right. Right. And then when you kind of peel back that layer, there's things going on in their life that's, I I loosely use the term toxic, but it's negative, right? You know, there's things there that are pushing them down and they've never self-reflected and looked at those things and said, those things are tearing me down. And then it's almost like they don't even realize that they need to put an end to that thing that's hurting them. Mm -hmm. And 
I'll s- stop there so you can comment because it goes it goes well, deeper because I, I want to go into family systems. Here. Yeah, like that that's the hard one, right? That's like the very hard one. That's the that's the super hard one, and I want to dig into like yeah. what that looks like because I think a lot of people get screwed by that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of families get hurt, but yeah, I think boundaries are both good, good and bad. That sort of we hit we sort of hit on the good boundaries. The reason to have good boundaries is so for your own sake, mm-hmm. and so you so you remain hopeful. So you can look at this world and have hope. So you can look at this world because if you have purpose, if you have, if you have um, calling, if you if you're filled up, if you're if you're doing life out of joy and and in in vigor, you're hopeful for the future. If you are burnt out and you're burdened and everything's just an obligation and you can't do it out of love and you can't do it out of respect for the other person, then then you're just then you're hopeless. But this is a this is sort of a bad boundary, I would say. Not not to be so you know, not not to be a clear clear cut dichotomy. But you know, I mean, look at abusive relationships, and the boundaries they set up, right? Like those like are bad boundaries and things like that. Like what? Like codependencies and things like that. Yeah, like. I can't go do anything without this other person because they always have to be by my side. Well, you're just being a drain on them, and and you have no hope for the future but it's because so you're so much fun. Hey, man. Hey, it's I, not. I know marriages where the husband and wife do everything together, but it's not codependency. They just are that way. Right. My wife and I, she can't stand Batman movies, so she wants me to go watch it by myself anyway because that'd be a waste of time for her. So good, good on it, because that's one of my most favorite thing to do is go to the movies by myself. Yeah, right. We both have healthy relationships. Yeah, but what I'm talking about is more controlling. Yeah, abusive. I mean, codependency can be a form of abuse. To- you use the word toxic, not yeah. just negative, but like real victimization. Yeah, those the, those people set up boundaries around their victims for the purpose of controlling them. Yeah. You know, so it's sort of a, again, not not just to be so uh, clear-cut, dichotomy, black and white, but it's almost like you could say you set up good boundaries so that you don't run into bad boundaries. Right. Right? So you teach your children how to let people treat them, mm-hmm. how to, you teach people how to let, you know, um, my sister-in-law is a trainer in a, in a big insurance company, and she'll tell people that she works. <laughs> Excuse me. She'll tell people that she works with, you tr- you teach people how to treat you. You teach them how to treat you. Well, what is that? That's setting up a boundary, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like, yeah. there's a sense in, um, you know, me and me and my boss have had this talk. Like, there's a sense where he can tell me what to do, and because of his position, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. But there's also a sense where we're, if we need to have a hard conversation, we're both men and we're going to talk to other, each other as men to men, yeah. man to man, and have that kind of man to man respect. Like, just because you're my boss, and he's never done this, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we've had this conversation as friends. Like, just because you're my boss doesn't mean that you get to run over me, treat me any old way. Do that, you know, there's still, a, there's still a modicum of respect that needs to be had. So you teach your children how other people are to treat you, how to set up those boundaries. You're not going to treat me that way, or I'm not going to let myself be treated that way so that they don't fall into these relationships where all of a sudden this vile person sets up the boundary of I'm controlling all the finances. Mm-hmm. Now how are you going to get out? Yeah, I'm controlling the house. Yeah. I control the kids. I control what you wear. I control – I mean, so you, you teach people to set up good boundaries so that they have hope in their future – 
instead of being controlled by someone else's boundaries and they become hopeless. Right. Like you said, they have no momentum. They don't see a good tomorrow. They don't. And, and man, you know, I think, man, this is sort of, it sounds well off topic, but it's not in my brain. So I'm just going to run with it. I think the 24 hour access to everything has done that. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, you got the news at six thirty and 10. And most of the time you watched it for the 15 minutes that the weather and the news was, I mean, the weather and the sports was going to be on. You want to see who won and you want to know what clothes you needed to wear tomorrow. Yep. But this 24 hour deluge of, oh, this political party says this. Oh, this other political party says this. And we're constantly in this just as a nation. I, I mean, I don't come across many Americans. We're Americans. So I'm going to talk about our country. I don't come across many Americans that are very hopeful for the future of this country. Mm. And I think a lot of that is because we have no boundaries. Mm. We are constantly just bombarded with talk radio, which is mostly conservative, news on the TV, which is mostly liberal. Like, let's just be honest. It is. You, yeah, you have your Fox, but that's, I don't know. I, I don't watch it, but that's supposedly conservative. You go, I mean, you have conservative news sources, but CNN, M, MSNBC, Talk radio, though, is all conservative, right? You have podcasts you can listen to. You have Facebook where people just post political stuff because that always works and changes people's minds, right? <laughs> Twitter where people are just 24-hour access to all these blue checkmark people, and you're just getting this deluge. But it's always just negative, right, because that's what sells. Mm -hmm. That's what people are drawn to because our brains are wired that way. Mm -hmm. It's a fight-or-flight thing in us where – we pay attention to negative stuff more than positive stuff because it's a fight or flight. It's like, oh, do I need to fight this or do I need to run from it? Mm -hmm. And because there's no boundary set up, I think we as a nation are just hopeless because it's just constant negativity, mm -hmm. right? Well, you have one guy, well, it's all fake news. Oh, it's all fake news. Oh, they're perpetrators. Then you hear two or three little things that, okay, the, the news might have gotten it wrong, and you're like, well, I can't trust anybody. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, where are we going as a nation? And I would be, uh, I, dude, I would be amiss if I didn't say I'm one of those. Not, not, I try not to listen. I mean, I listen to praise music in my truck most of the time. But I mean, if I wasn't one of those that was concerned yeah. just because of the little bit I get, I'm like, oh, where are we going? Well, that's a boundary. Like people need to unplug. People need to not sit around and pay attention to the political pundits. Those, those guys get paid to keep us angry because they get paid. That's how they have a job, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so I think setting up healthy boundaries protects us from bad boundaries, right. which is toxicity, abuse, hopelessness. Good boundaries help you have hope, help you have a future, help you focus on the good around you, mm -hmm. your family, your children, your friends, a job that you can pay your bills with. All these things are good things. So what's what's like a? I didn't mean to get on a political rant. I, no, I wasn't trying fine. to be too political. I was just saying it, it, it's fine. You can't not do it. I, I agree. <laughs> um, but what I'm curious is is like kind of coming back around to to people that are you know in these toxic relationships or mm -hmm. situations. I, I prefer to use situations. I think that's a better generalized perspective. It's not just a. It's not just a relationship. It could be a job. It could be sure. a day-to-day -day thing. It could be a toxic relationship with politics and the news and everything that you're having that. Mm -hmm. Or it could be 
your debt, right, that you've got going on, like you've got some, you know, your spending habits, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you know, what do you think is the first, like, baby step that, that someone who's in that place that they're like, I have no momentum, no energy, I'm completely hopeless. Okay, I'm going to bite, and I think that I should set a boundary to help give me some energy and give me some some stuff like... Like, how do you think they figure out what boundary they're supposed to pick or what does that look like? I mean, it's very contextual, right? Depending right. On, on what, what you're dealing with. Yeah. But like, I don't know that you could say one, but I mean, a, a, just a general step that, uh, that most could do. I say most, uh, man, take, take a stand and take a day. Yeah. Man, just take a day. Yeah. Tell those you love that love you. If they really loved you, they would understand anyway. Mm-hmm. Take a day. What are you going to do? I don't know. Sit here and stare at the wall. Mm-hmm. I just got to gotta be alone. I got to take a day. I got to set this boundary to take a day mm-hmm. because I am drained. I am hopeless. Yeah. And whatever I'm carrying, I either need to know how to carry it or I need to figure out how to let this go. Yeah. And I think what's important there is... Uh, and that's just baby step one. It might be yeah. more than that, but I would say it takes time. You gotta, you gotta right. It's not gonna be fixed. Like, most things aren't gonna be fixed. The energy you just kind of put into that, where you were just like, man, I'm just so tired, right? Right. Like, like, I think the key thing you know people need to understand is like, yeah, like that's a signal of how urgent it is that you need to take, you need mm-hmm. to put a boundary and you need to step back. But what's more important is that once you get back on your feet and once you start moving forward you need to push that boundary like kind of up or whatever you need to reset where it is because you want to make sure that like you don't get back to that place again Mm -hmm. because if you do it's like starting from square one almost i mean not so much because you've gone through like your ups and downs at that point and it's a little bit easier to pick back up the momentum because you've done it the first time Mm -hmm. but like you should be smart enough to know like don't get back to that 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 point like learn what got you mm-hmm. there reset your boundaries to protect yourself that's from right getting back to that point well and boundaries even if you're in a hopeless situation boundaries help your hurts that that may be making you hopeless B- healthy boundaries help you transform those right right so to i mean because because hurt and wounds and things that we carry that aren't transformative then just get transferred. Yeah. We transfer them to our children, mm-hmm. to our spouse, to our friends. You know, I mean, I, I mean, man, I can only talk about this in my context, but, you know, I feel I have been involved, not involved personally, that sounds bad to say. I have been, how do I say this, not, in the, not even in the middle of, but I guess involved in divorces of spouses. Not that I caused it. <laughs> you homewrecker. How dare but you. But they are getting divorced, and I'm the pastor of both of them, right? Yeah. And Or I'm just a friend of them, of yeah. theirs. Excuse me, I'm not speaking good English tonight. But And it's like you can see the hurt that it causes, no matter whose decision it was, mm. and the wounds in both of them. And you can see those that set healthy boundaries with this ex-spouse and they have a clear understanding and they're going to co-parent their kids, even though I would argue that's not the healthiest or best way. Children need both parents in the home. Mm -hmm. But you can see 
the boundaries that have been set up healthy and you can see the growth out of that somewhat, even though it's not the best way. Mm-hmm. But you can much more easily see those where boundaries have not been set up. Right. Hopelessness has set in. There is no more hope for the future. Their life is crushed. And that's like all they can talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's draining to everyone around them. And, and I hate saying it that way. Because it sounds like I don't care and I'm love, unloving. I don't mean it. I don't. I'm not saying I don't care or that I'm unloved. My heart goes out to that because I'm like, at some point, and healing might be a lifelong process, right? right? Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to be flippant with it either. Like, if you got cheated on, if you were abused, I'm, uh, please understand, I'm not being flippant. But I'm saying, like, just a divorce where both parties just split up and one's angry and one, you know, or whatever. But. I'm just saying, like, you can see those that allowed the, that set up the boundary with that ex spouse and said, you're not, you know, we're not married, you're, you know, and you can see the transformation in their life. Right. Where they, their hurt was transformed and, and they had hope again and they lived life again versus those where it was like crushing and it's just that's all they can focus on. And sadly, the point I'm getting at is sadly that tends to, not always, get transferred to their children. Right where those kids either end up hating one parent or the other, or they grow up and they realize that both of them were crazy and that they didn't do right by us, and so then they have issues with both their parents. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's an easy example to use, sad example, but that's in all cases. You know, hopelessness that comes from wounds, from a lack of boundaries where you've been used, manipulated, all that. If you don't take a stand and set a boundary and allow that hurt, woundedness, self-loathing, bad self-image to be transformed, you're eventually going to transfer that. Mm-hmm. And so, that's where the hurt comes. And that's where the hurt becomes generational. Right. Then. So it's almost like you can, you know, a key point here to kind of focus out on is like, you may be demotivated, you may be sad, or something like that. You know, you may be down, you may be hopeless. You need to set a boundary to get your energy back, right? Yeah. But there's potentially something here that you can you can find motivation in the things that depend on you right so like in your example here it's like hey like you need to get quote unquote better you need to set a boundary to improve yourself because if you don't your kid suffers right, right? your offspring suffers or something like that so you can or you can't find another right. relationship right so so sort of that sort of self reflection allows you to see like my lack of taking care of myself and putting a boundary in place to help me get my myself back together actually perpetuates the hopelessness I feel on the others. Yeah. And that baby step that I said, take a day, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean at the end of the day, you might not still feel hopeless. It might not even mean that you have direction, Yeah. but what you, what you can do. And, and, and I'm, and I want this to sound hopeful. What you can say is at the end of that day, I set a boundary use that seed to help you be hopeful for the future that you can do it. Mm-hmm. I set this boundary. I took this day. My situation didn't change. Maybe most situations don't change in a day, mm-hmm. but you can use that seed that one man. I, I did it. Mm-hmm. If you can't do a day, I'm going to take an afternoon, mm-hmm. like find a seed of in your life somewhere mm-hmm. where you can say, I set this boundary for me to take care of myself if it's I'm gonna go have a cup of co- sorry go have a cup of coffee and read a book for an hour. Mm-hmm. If it's that hour, take that seed and go. For that hour, I was able to reflect, read, do something, and then allow that to germinate and grow. 
Mm. So I kind of want to have a bonus question at the Uh-oh. end. So what I'm gonna I'm gonna like put that for a second, and then we're gonna double quote, the money. Yeah, double the money. Um, <clears throat> so we'll come back to I think kind of this toxic stuff because I think we have some interesting testimonies there. What I what I want to you talk about. You know, I'm gonna have that cup of coffee. I'm gonna sit by myself, right? So, mm-hmm. like, let's transition this to the lens of work. Okay. Right. You 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 work ten hours, twelve hours a day, right? Maybe you've got a big career, been super successful. You've done all the things you're supposed to do, hit all the books, and guess what? You you go home and you're just tired and you're worn out, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, stressed out. You know, basically on the verge of heart attack, right? Um, I think at this point we know <clears throat> boundaries are kind of important. But what do you think is the biggest struggle for someone in that situation to set a boundary? It's a trick question. Success. So you think it's like ego? Could be ego. I think uh, it's a it's a fear of a lack of success. Yeah. That if I or don't fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I don't if I don't continue to push, if I don't continue to grind, if I don't continue to, I mean, I said that rather quickly, but I really believe that. I think it's this yeah. fear of a lack of success that I'm going to get passed over. I'm going to get overlooked. If I don't continue to grind, if I don't continue to push, something's going to happen. Someone's going to notice some, someone's going to think badly of me. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's, uh, you know, it's sort of the, sadly, again, it's sort of the world we live in now. Fast pace, never stop, keep going, keep pushing. Yeah. Here's the interesting so this that's actually something I struggle with. A yeah. Ton, right. <laughs> like I'm the, the the perfect example of like, you know, working too much and, mm-hmm. and Me doing too. too much, right? Mm-hmm. And I and uh, and and I, I thought about it for a while. And, and early in my career, it was very much that. It was like, I I, I don't want to. It's not that I wanted status and stature, mm-hmm. right? And that's a key thing I want to point out because there are some people who push really hard. Like I, there's a guy I know. He used to be a close friend. We kind of had a falling out. And he, he used to say things like, you know, I work so hard because if I, if you, what I like looking at is all the jobs I have, and I like to see how that money increases. That's my scorecard. It's a game for him. If I can get that money up, I can do that, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and so that's why he would like burn himself at both ends and, and go to, and then, you know, he'd be burned out and he's like, what am I doing? Right. And that sort of thing. And so he, he, he did this because it was a status thing. Right. And then for me, it was more of like a, like a, an insecurity thing. Right. Like it wasn't so much e- like there's definitely ego in the sense that dude, it, it always feels good to be like best of the best. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I don't think you could meet anyone who will ever tell you like, you can't tell me it wasn't awesome to be like podium finish, right? Or somewhere like that. But <clears throat> there was just insecurity and like, I'm not going to be good enough. Um, you know, I remember when I graduated from school because I transitioned schools and stuff, getting out of school and be like, I didn't go to a big enough school to be a good computer scientist. Right. Right. I didn't go to MIT. <laughs> right. I didn't go to MIT. So I'm screwed. Right. Like I, that's legit what happened. I remember like studying and taking tests to get in to MIT, like thinking about it. Right. I didn't do it. Uh, you know, going to graduate school, you know, at Cox, I, I submitted my application there and was like, do I want to do this? You know, and then feeling like complete, like imposter syndrome. Where's that? SMU, right? Yeah. SMU. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then I got in. Right. And then I was like, oh, well, once I get in, I can't do it. Right. I, I'll fail out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's just in a workplace, I think there's this overwhelming 
bearing feeling of failure. And what's interesting about this also is that like <clears throat> in managerial science now too, for people who are in careers longer term and leaders, you know, there's, there's kind of these interesting schools of thought, right? But there's always this idea of performance. And I think it ends up putting pressure on that as well, which is like, oh, I got to perform. You know, I got to hit these metrics. I got to hit this thing. I got to deliver this thing, right? Right. And, and it makes logical sense from like a business perspective. But when you reflect on it, you as a person, you're just kind of like, you know what? Just that one more thing. If I work 30 minutes extra today, I'll get that done. And if I work an extra 30 minutes, I'll do that. Oh, if I made my schedule from eight to six, I could get this, this, and this done. Oh, I could take on another project if I did this, right? And I do that so I don't fail, right? And and kind of coming back to what you were saying, you know, I think <clears throat> what drives people that it's the feeling of failure, the feeling of insecurity, or the feeling of not, you know, having status or whatever, you know. But one thing which is interesting, and I I just want to like you know let the air out of the room on this one. You talked about you know feel of feeling looked over. Um, sorry, folks, doesn't matter how great you are, you're gonna get looked over. Like one hundred percent. Wow! And, like, and we just lost everyone right. who was listening like you are. To and us. I'll give you an example, right? Like, um, <laughs> so like LeBron I, James I, has been looked over. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, actually, he did get cut from his yeah. high school for basketball. I mean, I mean team, you look so. at a lot of successful people. Like, take entrepreneurship for example. They fail all the time, dude. Yeah, they'll tell you on average. I think now, I I, I don't know if this is technically true, but I remember hearing it that they talked about most entrepreneurs average fail seven to ten times before they ever find their successful business. Most startup businesses make at least one pivot before they actually find their thing. Okay. And if you look at product development on how you build products and develop software products, they're all about processes of experimenting and trying 50 million ideas first and failing and then figuring out the right one that works, right? There is never a home run. And, and, and that's an interesting thing that I think people should realize at work is because they're like, if time is a finite resource and you spend all that time trying to be the best, fear of failing, fear of missing. And, and to be clear, I'm not telling you not to be disciplined and not to work hard. I, I believe 100% in that. But I think if, if you're doing it out of a position of, well, I'm afraid I'm going to fail or I'm afraid, <coughs> afraid I'm not going to be valued or something like that, right? Like, let me tell you something. There's, you're going to have a leader who's not going to value you. You're going to have someone who looks over you, right? It happens to me every week. Well, that's why healthy boundaries are important because then you don't find your value in attaboys. Right. You don't and, find your value in what someone else says. Right. And that's, the, that's a key point, right, that I think is also interesting is that boundaries also protect you from accidentally misplacing your value in the wrong things, mm -hmm. right? Like asking yourself what I value. Because you do get distracted, right? Like what's interesting is you read like Harvard Business Review on like multitasking mm -hmm. and stuff like that. The human brain like sucks and multitasking to uh, really can't do it to a percent and more context switching is if you want to be specific. Um, and so, yeah, if, if you're hyper focusing on one thing, you will get blinders on, you get tunnel vision and you'll stop paying attention to what you value. Right. And, it, and it's kind of like, you know, being a servitude person and being super enamored with that thing that you're doing, you forget to take a step back on, and have a boundary on that to focus on what you're doing with your job. You're working too much and you're not taking enough time to sit down with your kids and just talk to them. Or you know what, if you don't have kids, yeah, go and have a nice meal with yourself. Give yourself time to take a walk in the park and meditate or something like that. And because you're not doing that, like 
you're actually cutting off things from your life because your brain is is not going to context switch. It's always focusing on that work. It's always focusing on a thing, which is being you're building a habit that's feeding itself because you feel like you're failing. You're going to feel like you're missed. You're going to feel like you're missing out. You feel like you're getting passed over. And 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 this is actually why I think that failure is probably like one of the best things in a business world. Is like, dude, get your world rocked, <laughs> right? Like, then this is what I try to teach my engineers early, right off the bat. I was like, get out there and fail. I was like, because that feeling and that thing you, you feel is going to be the best thing you can feel because it's going to prevent you from getting in a situation where you feel like you always have to work out of fear. Like if you're working someplace because you, you're afraid, right? Like it's not going to work out or something's going to go wrong, right? There's a lot of different reasons why that could happen and we won't dig into it here, but you need to get a boundary, right? You need to set a boundary, not well, against the job, you, but to re-energize. Yeah, failing helps you get right priorities in a lot of times. Right. And, and, and right priorities is part of that is having boundaries. Yeah. I mean, I'd be remiss to say, and we've mentioned it, you know, already, but there's nuance with this. So it's not just black and white. Like there is a time maybe in early in your career to grind and put in the hours and put in the work. Oh yeah. But there's also a time to, right. There's also a time to say, okay, I've done that. You've got to recognize I've put in the work. I've put in the time. You've got to see your own value and say, I'm good. I'm so I used to, and I, and I, and I, I'm sad to say this, I used to kill myself in ministry because I wanted everyone else to tell me how good I was doing. Right? It wasn't good enough that I was necessarily pleasing the Lord or, and this might be even scarier, did I care if I was pleasing the Lord? Yeah. Like, did I even go to Him and say, God, is this, is this pleasing you, to you? But did you like, actually it felt know good that? To, no, I had to see that, right? right? I had to come to that conclusion, but I mean... Like, you didn't wake up and you were like, oh... Well, hey, I had blinders I on. I, put, I had yeah. those blinders on. Yeah. Like, it felt good for every little old lady to come out and tell me, I hadn't heard preaching like that in years. Oh, it's so good. You know, and then... But but what did that lead to? It led to burnout because mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it for the right reason. I wasn't focused on the right thing, the Lord. Mm-hmm. So now my struggle is, and I just learned this today at a business meeting. We had a... Uh, you know, I'm an estimator, and we had an estimating department meeting. And our boss, the head estimator, looked at everyone else in the room. He just said it bluntly. I mean, not bluntly, but he just said it, you know, sort of over everybody. We were in the in the conference room, and he goes, you know, uh, you know you're going to have to work. There are going to be nights you have to put in the hours because the bid date doesn't change, mm-hmm. and things come up, and you have to put in the hours. He goes, you're going to have to work. And then he looks at me, and he goes, except Pat. I have to tell him to stop working and go home. Yeah. And so now I now I struggle with that, but it's not out of wanting to hear him say good job, good great way to go because most of the time I'm working it's midnight, 1, you know, no one's yeah. up there anyway. I'm turning on a radio or a podcast and right. working. It's it's now I've had to recognize like I, I'm doing this out of fear because I don't want to get behind. Right. Because I'm afraid if yeah. I get behind, it's going to turn into a late night. I'm going to kill myself, not even realizing that I'm killing myself and it's a late night yeah. so that I don't get behind. Like it's totally ironic. Yeah. And so I've, I've actually this year, right? This year I try to, I try to have a theme every year. So this year for me, speaking of hope, being hopeful is to be thankful. Yeah. Find something to be thankful for because it changes my attitude. Mm-hmm. If I can just find something to say, thank you, God, right? But along with that is trying to set boundaries at work. Yeah. So 
It doesn't it hadn't been, been perfect. Like I said, you asked me what baby step. I said take a day. That doesn't mean things are going to change. My job hadn't changed. Mm. There's been plenty of late nights. But I have been able to do pretty good of setting boundaries of, but I'm not working the weekend. Yeah. So there's, I'm it, not working Sunday. There's an interesting thing here because I think for me, you know, being a similar workaholic in, in some ways, I mean, you talk to anybody who reports to me, they'll just be like, I, the dude's a robot. <laughs> that's, that's fine, I'll tell you. Um, the There were two things I think. You're a robot, but that has nothing to do with your work ethic. Yeah, <laughs> but there was there were two things that I realized and, and then there was a third thing that I used to, to, to improve upon it was, and then a fourth thing I enacted. So the, the first two things was, I think some advice that I picked up in two ways. One was I was sitting with one of my managers one time and he sat down with me and, and we were talking about career growth. We were talking about where it's going and, and what it looks like to, to grow my leadership scope and my breadth. And he sat down, he said, you know, Matt, um, you know, I think you kind of already understand this, but I, I need to say it so that way, like, it's very crisp and clear. He's like, from this point forward in your career, you will fail. And so what you need to develop is a sense of you have to start deciding what you're going to fail at, right? And, and that was actually, I think, a, an interesting thing to reflect on. Because I think for a lot of people who have huge career ambitions and want to grow and then they're like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid of failing and stuff like that. It's like, guess what? That fear is now realized. You are going to raise to a position where you're not going to get all your bases covered, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get surprised. You're going to get waylaid. Someone's going to hit you from the side. You're going to fail, right? And it was interesting because it, it actually, one, kind of started help relieving some of that pressure. And then it started creating the situation of like, I need to make better decisions about what I fail at, what I don't fail at, right? So that I could scale to all the stuff that's on my plate, right? I can so it allowed, so it helped you create <clears throat> healthy boundaries. Right. It helped me build better decision processes, right? But then the thing that helped with boundaries was the second piece of advice that I picked up. I don't remember where I picked this up from. Um, <clears throat> but I think it was a, a pattern match thing I did between reading a book about play and another book about rest and stuff. And so bringing back the idea of obligation, I feel obligated to my people, right? Like if you go look at the stuff that I do, like I'm really big on coaching. Like I'm really big on like, let's figure out why this messed up. Let's figure out why this was great. Let's figure out how you have strengths, how you, you do like that's the, I'm a big believer that if you coach people and you focus on the things that they're good at and you focus on helping them understand the bigger context, it's better for the business longer term because they will be like massive execution engines. And yeah, it may not deliver today, but when you get to two years from now, like you are going to have an unstoppable force, right? So just build the time. And So I have that obligation. I have that sense, right? And I, I read a book that talked about, um, I forgot what it was, but talking about being morally, uh, the manager leadership role being a, an ethical position, a moral job, right? And, and then I kind of read that play book and, and what was going on there. And it kind of, it, it was interesting. You can't be an effective leader when you're tired, you can't make decisions when you're tired. Like if you look at the military, like that's why they like put you through a lot of the stressful trainings, like special forces and stuff. They put you through stuff when you're really tired. So that way, like they, they, you have to build this muscle to know how to make decisions when you're fatigued and you don't have mm-hmm. that. Right. And so like rest and having a boundary on rest is super important. And so that second thing was one of those things that kind of helped me realize that like, I need to have boundaries so I can get rest so I can take care of my people as a leader and 
those boundaries that I put in place will also be put in places where I'm going to fail at something. So yeah, I'm going to go home at five. That report's not going to get done. And I'm going to look like an idiot to my director tomorrow because I need that. Because if I didn't do that, then that conversation about someone's performance tomorrow may not go well. And then they may actually have like an even worse impact. Right. It's, it's not a big deal to delay the meeting about the report by a day. It's a big deal to delay that whatever conversation instead. Right. And I need that boundary so I can be good at that thing as opposed to this other thing. Right. And that principle can be carried. I mean, that principle can be carried out in personal life somewhat, right? Like parents set boundaries for their children. I mean, this is a, this is a very elementary example, but bedtime, right? Your kids, when they're young, think you're the meanest person on earth because you make them good. My, Dude, my, my kids love bedtime. I don't know how parents like, I don't know how they. Oh, do. see, my kids, man, they, my daughter, she thinks you're. You know, she, she know. I mean, she's old enough now to know, she knows we're not mad. She knows we're not putting her like, but like she still hates it. Like she wants to stay up. She wants to be with us. But I'm saying, but. We still set those boundaries. Why? Because if they don't get their rest, yeah. they're not going to learn tomorrow. They're going to be sloppy. Yeah. They're going to they're going to be tired. They're going to be cranky. They're going to be emotional, and then the next day is going to be worse than this little ten minutes of no, you're going to bed. Go to bed. Yeah. Right. But what's funny though is that <coughs> excuse me, you're talking about raising kids. Like it's almost like we've helped, we've created a boundary for our kids as opposed to ourselves. So like. 7 30 8 p.m hits at night right and we'll be like it's bedtime and yeah you'll get the typical like oh i don't want to go to bed i want to stay up and hang out with y'all right yeah but that's that's what i'm you, talking you, about you just you kind of push through it and they get in there and right. what's funny though is like we don't make them go to bed then we just say it's time to just calm down and they'll, and they'll fall asleep somewhere between 8 and 8 30 but what's interesting is we've we've kind of instituted this they have to have their time and what's funny is Chloe will go into her room and she either reads or she writes, right? You know, she's mm-hmm. fourth grade and she's like, she talks about writing books mm-hmm. and like journals and she just talks about random things, right? And she just loves reading. She does it. And it's funny. It's like it's, it's almost forced time for her to have boundaries from all of the other distractions she's had for the day yep. and wind down, mm-hmm. right? And then same thing with Riley. She goes into her room and she like reads her book and she'll do that. You know, and, and so it's, it's kind of funny is because like the boundary works in both ways. And I think it's some, you know, some parents feel guilty for that, but it's like, think about what the benefit that boundary is also giving to them. Right. And that's another thing I think people, it's more universal boundary setting overall. When you set a boundary, especially in personal relationships, it, it may not just be helping you. It may be helping the person on the other side of it as well. And well, they may not realize it. Right. That, that's, that's what healthy boundaries do. Yeah. I mean, in any boundary that we've talked about tonight, a healthy boundary, even if it seems harsh, is to will always better both parties, if you want to put it that way. As a pastor, if a pastor has good boundaries, he serves his congreg or she, whoever, serves their congregation better. Yeah. Right? Even if there are moments where that church feels like Oh, they're on sabbatical, boy. They got to take that, you know. And I mean, you hear the little not not a, not universal by any stretch, but in any business, any any organization, you're going to have chatters. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I'm not saying that against the church. I'm just saying, but you set those boundaries up because you want to be yeah. healthy. You want to be hopeful. I mean, 
this is, I mean, it's like, a, it's like this podcast is just about being a pastor. It feels like, and I don't mean it that way, but like the one thing that I'm supposed to do is give people hope, yeah, love people, tell them there's something better, that there's someone who loves them. I love them. There is goodness that we can see in the world. And if if I didn't set up a healthy boundary for that, it's hard for me to relay that message. Mm. Yeah. Right. So then not only do I become hopeless, I might be again transferring my hopeless. Mm. And I would also say um, you know, maybe a little pastoral counseling here is find a good counselor, mm. a trained, professional, licensed counselor, because they can help you set up healthy boundaries. If you can afford it, if you can't, there are many organizations out there that will help you. I mean, counseling isn't just and, and counseling isn't just for those that are going through like terrible, terrible times. I mean, it is for that too, but I'm saying like even if you feel like you're in a good place, counseling helps. Counselors help. They are great. I mean, one of my best friends and his wife go to marital counseling and they have a great marriage. And I was like, "Why do you? Why are you going to marital counseling?" He's like, "To keep it great." Yeah. What I what I actually, I mean, you know, they 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 you know they can help you set up healthy boundaries. I, I'm I'm really big into <clears throat> car racing, like Formula One, watching on TV and stuff. And I and I was talking, not talking, but I was watching a documentary the other day about. Um, what was a YouTube video? I guess it's not really a documentary. Um, <clears throat> I like the phrase that they that one of the drivers used, uh, "mental coach." Right, like counselors kind of come taboo because it's like, oh, there's something wrong, and you gotta oh, fit, yeah, you okay. gotta face it, right? right? Yeah. But he talked about a mental coach, and I, and that's I think one of the things we're kind of it's an undercurrent in a lot of these topics mm-hmm. we're talking about is like, a lot of this is about sharpening your mind. A lot of this is about like building resilience in your emotions and your mind, you know, getting grit build up in mm-hmm. some ways, right? And and yeah, uh, I, I, I counselors, mental coaches, right? Like, are I think are a good thing if you feel like you're in a position where you're like, cool boundaries are there, but I don't know what that boundary should really look like, you know? Like that's probably the hardest thing I think for some people who are who are trying to figure this out is like what what does a boundary really look like, and and you know how to figure that out, and and I think it's good for them to to take a step back and and, and kind of dig into that. So, are you ready for the bonus question? Yes. Are you ready for this? I don't feel like there should be a drum roll. We can add it later. <laughs> <laughs> we we have the tools. Oh, we have right. the technology. I'm hopeful. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, the so kind of a personal testimony, and you and I know you've had a ton of these, so I don't. You can pick whichever one you want to share. Okay. Um, what has been the hardest boundary that you've had to set? Personally, or yeah. that I've heard from other Personally, testimonies. for you, no one cares about what you've heard about. Oh, <laughs> like that's not real. That's not hmm. what's been the hardest thing. Oh, family. It's always family. Yeah. Um, I know this one. <laughs> when I said this, that's why I was like, "Yeah, this is this is gonna go deep." Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had. I mean, probably with my dad. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, there was a time, um, again, he, he would be open to telling his testimony when he had gotten addicted to uh, drugs, pills. He wasn't like a meth head or anything. No, yeah, he, but he got, he got hooked on something. It, it was on accident. I really, I do really believe that. Like, he had had something ridiculous, like six surgeries on one hand in a year, or three surgeries or something. Yeah. But it was during that time when doctors just kept prescribing hydrocodone, and that was his drug of choice, and he got addicted to it. Mm. And he would say, man, he felt like he was on, like, he he said he, he felt invincible. Oh, yeah, dude. But when you saw, like, me from the outside saw him on it, it was like, yeah. you didn't. Why do they I think, mean, you know, you think they give you Xanax when you get a vasectomy? Because you're invincible. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this just took a turn. I'm not very hopeful after that conversation. <laughs> Anyways, continue, sorry. No, but, I mean, there, there came a time where, you know, me and my brothers just had to say, look, you... You can choose to live whatever way you want, but we cannot be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And you and you have to go figure it out. You know, I mean, it. There were there were times where we, um, you know, and, and and it and I'm sure it hurt him, but I think he would also say what hurt him more was how he hurt us. Because mm-hmm. do and you I, think he realized <clears throat> that in the moment though? I think his addiction had blinded him so much so that that's all he could see. You talked about becoming myopic, having blinders, just tunnel vision. I don't think he did it on purpose. I can say that now looking back. Um, It sure did feel personal, but I don't think it was on purpose. And I think what hurt Dad was that he hurt us because I do believe it. There there is never a doubt in my mind, and I know that not everyone has this with parents that struggle with addiction – there was never a doubt in my mind that dad loved me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that I didn't think he loved me. It's not that I didn't think he cared about what happened to me. There was never a sense of like, he hates me or he doesn't really care if I'm around. It was just a sense of like, for the, like, we just, we just can't be involved in this anymore. Yeah. And hey, praise be to God, man, dad, he he got in his AA. He 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 you know he 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 worked his program. He went to some detox. He went to some rehab. And was there was there? Um, now this is over a decade ago. I want to mm. say like twelve years, fifteen years ago now. Mm. You know, but in those first couple of years, was there some? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? When you get off drugs, but you slip up and do them again. Uh, <laughs> Relapse. Relapse. Good Lord. And I have a master's degree, folks. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but there, with, I mean, I, I do want to say that once or twice he did. I want to say maybe just once or twice. Yeah. That I know well, of. that's common, but right? It's common, but I'll say this. I could tell that he had turned a corner because what did he do? He immediately set up the boundary, and part of that boundary was to call us and tell us, Yeah. hey, I need to tell you all I'm sorry I messed up. Mm. I'm, I'm going to do my best not to do it again. And, and I'm telling you, it's a, he's, like a, he's like a whole new man. Or as I like to tell my wife, he's like the dad I grew up with now. Mm. He's back to sort of being that guy. But, it, man, it took – it was a decade or more of just, just – So where's your boundary now? Well – If you don't mind me asking. I don't mind – Forgiveness helps yeah. change a lot of boundaries. Healing 
that I can only say came from the Lord in my life, and I would argue in his life, I think he would say that, changes boundaries, but there are still boundaries. Mm. Um, we are, and this might come with it, this might be age too. This might come with age and, and me being an adult man now. So dad, he's still my dad, but we're a lot more like friends now. Mm. And maybe that's supposed to be that way because it feels sort of, it almost feels better, you know? I like, think that kind of happens. So, I mean. the well, the boundaries now are honesty. Yeah. We're more open because of, because of what we've been through. We're open with one another. Um, if and when, I shouldn't say if, when he comes up to visit, we're open with, this isn't a good time for you to stay at our house. Can you stay with my, you know, one of my other brothers? And and they're the same way. And he, to his credit, he's like, I don't want to be a burden. That's fine. And it's never like, we just don't want you here. It's like my wife's mom's coming in the same weekend and I just don't have that many bedrooms or right. we have something going on this weekend. We're not going to be around. And he just wants to see whatever, anybody, you know, anybody when he can. And so, right. And also, I mean, because of the honesty set up, there are boundaries where if he calls and I can't talk or don't want to talk, I'll text him, call you in a minute, call you when I can, mm. call you whenever. Like, I don't feel obligated to have to answer the phone. Yeah. And I'll say this isn't just for my dad, but I've learned to become that way with anyone, mm. except I try to answer when my wife calls because I feel like as her husband. Yeah, that's, that's a... It's a no-fly you know, zone. And even when I can't, yeah, that is the that is the no-fly zone, my friends. And even if I can't answer, I'll usually text her like, hey, in a meeting, is everything okay? Yeah. You know, um, and, and most of the time it's, oh, yeah, I was just wondering, you know, had a question or whatever. Mm. So, yeah, we've set, the, set those boundaries up. Um, you know, at the time that you set your boundary with your dad, when he was in the middle of this stuff, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people would think that was harsh. Well, some people I think was yeah. I, I think a lot of people would understand it too, there, but there, but it did there, look there is, it looked there harsh. There's a camp that's just like, why are you just letting this person? Just right, suffer? it looked harsh. It right. looked harsh. But because you would think that's when he needed us the most, right? Yeah, yeah. That's when he needed himself the most. And and, um, and can I say this? Me and my brother struggled with that. Yeah. But we were like, we can't. Yeah. Stay on this carousel. Yeah. Because but, it was emotionally draining to us. It was yeah. like because we love we love yeah. him. You know, but, but you probably also like, I but we couldn't help him with what yeah. he needed. But the thing I want to kind of point out though, is that like, I think when it comes <laughs> to boundary setting and things like this, like you're setting a boundary where you're effectively like distancing yourself from a, your father, your blood, mm -hmm. somebody you love someone. It is, it is negatively hurting you. You recognize that you did the self-reflection, you figured it out, but now you got to put a boundary in place and say, okay, I can't do this. Right. right. Um, and, and, and there's potentially some hopelessness that comes from that in the sense that, you don't know if that relationship will ever heal because that boundary got put in place. And, right. and, 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 and the reason and the boundary doesn't mean there was never love between us. Right. right. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you hate them. It doesn't mean anger is there. It just means that you're, you're taking care of you. But the point I want to make though, is I think that some people, when they, they come to that realization that they need to set a boundary, right. Mm -hmm. And they need to, they need to say like, okay, I got to distance myself from me, but then there's this heartbreak that comes with it that you're like, I just may have permanently lost this relationship mm -hmm. by doing this. It's never happening. I think it's one thing I want to kind of point out for you is that like, or not for you, but for others to see is that like in your situation, like it took time 
but that relationship came back and you moved that boundary closer because trust was rebuilt. Mm -hmm. New things happen. And so like, don't let yourself be hopeless just because you can't predict the future. That's right. Right. Like, and, and, and I'll, and I want to say this then since I've talked about it specifically, because I know dad's going to listen to because he's already told me he's excited about it. He thinks we're doing a great thing. He wants to listen. He's going to send it to all his friends. <laughs> he loves me. He always loved me. But I want to also give him the credit that our relationship being healed was because he set boundaries and decided to get well. Right. He was the, he was the, uh, the cause. Well, not me. And so he deserves the credit for that as well. Like it was, it was, he, it was his issue, but he also did what he needed to do to get healthy. Right. And because of that, it healed our relationship. Yeah. And so he, he deserves the credit for that too, because when the boundary was set, it, you know, we didn't use that language boundary, but I'm saying it was a boundary. It was like, we just didn't know what else to do. We were lost. I mean, I was pretty young, you know, early 20s. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. This has been a while ago. I mean, it's been 10, 15 years. Dad was, Dad's doing well. But, um, you know, it, so he, he deserves the credit but for, for getting himself clean. But he was hopeless. Mm-hmm. He was hopeless. And now he's not. He's not hopeless. And, yeah. part of, and the biggest part of that is because he, got, he set boundaries in his life. He went to rehab. He, he's in AA. He's still involved in AA. How? how? No longer so much as an AA. Um, I don't know the language. So I've never been in AA. Not, not as a client, but now he's a sponsor. Yeah. So he's spon- And that's how he stays involved. That's how he keeps his boundaries. And it's almost come out God using what's evil and for good. It's, it's his ministry. Mm-hmm. Like he sends out little texts every morning, and I get them, and I read them. Well, I was talking to him the other day. He sends them to over 130 people now. Yeah. People asking him, like, hey, can you send this to my freaking... And it's going to, like, he's Washington. An he's an AA right. influencer. Yeah, he's an AA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Dad, you should write this down or get a book or something. Like, you need to be getting paid for this, you know? that's yeah. a t- He's not doing it for that. But he's like... he was, And he wasn't bragging. He was like, oh, yeah, I send it to, like, 15 people up in Washington. There's a couple of people out of Oregon that want me to send them to them. And there was one lady that called me out of Wisconsin and wanted to keep her number or keep this number. And one day she called me and was like... I just wanted you to know who you're sending it to. You don't know me, but I wanted to keep this number and this and that. And it was like, but I really like what you're sending. It really brightens my day. Mm -hmm. Can you keep sending them? And he was like, well, yeah, I'll keep sending them to you because it's just a mass text, right? Just one more number to hit the send button on. Yeah. I mean, so it's, he's really a, you talk about, we've talked about failure Mm -hmm. to success. He's really a success story. I don't, I don't want to leave it. I don't want to leave it like he's, uh, like he hadn't really done well. And I'm very proud of him and I love him for everything he's done, but it did take those boundaries. Yeah. And he still has to keep those boundaries. Right. Because there are boundaries that have to stay permanent. Have to stay permanent. And they they can't disappear. Was that bonus enough? Yeah. No, I mean, I think make it relevant, right? Like, you know, What's your personal testimony and boundary setting you? Yeah, people, people want to know. Yeah, I th- I think there's boundaries in everything. Yeah, uh, can I? I'll say one um, that my wife and I came to early in our marriage as far as boundaries. I can't complete her, and she can't complete me. 
we have to be whole people on our own and mm-hmm. complement one each other, one each one another. Mm-hmm. Because marriage is not 50-50. It's 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to put it in. And, and it was setting up that boundary of we can't let each other drain one another out because we're trying to uphold them and fulfill them and be something that we simply can't be. Right. Like we came to the realization like, well, this was our language, like I can't be your God. Yeah. You can't be my God. Mm-hmm. And absolutely she probably came up with this, not me, but yeah. but she was like, I'll be your queen. And I will be your queen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> that's right. And in my house, the queen is above the king. Yes. You know? <laughs> there is no king. There's only the queen. There's the queen. And her husband, yeah. who remains nameless and <laughs> the jester. No, he has no nobility yes. to speak of. But um it's we have a great marriage. But uh you know, we came to that realization, and that's that's a relationship boundary of I can't be drugged down, I can't be manipulated, we can't manipulate one another, because eventually you drain the other person so much they don't want to be around, like it's not a relationship anymore. Mm. It's a codependency. Mm. So that's a positive boundary that both of us came to. We were like, you know what, that's true. We can't look to one another to complete us. We have to be whole people ourselves. And then together live life together. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, is there codependency? I'm sure, like bills and life, and you know, we love one another. We <laughs> yeah. depend on one another for things. That's not what I mean, but I mean like emotionally and and who I am as a person. I am her husband, but that's that's who I am is is deeper mm-hmm. than just being her husband, right. and who she is is deeper than just being my wife. Right, and who that is, I couldn't fulfill. I I can't I can't give that to her, and she can't give it to me. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I think I think it's a pretty hopeless world if you don't have any boundaries yeah. for for people. I think I think it's a very hopeful world if you set healthy boundaries. You have a healthy mindset. You're able to you're able to then find out who you are, what your goal should be, even if it's what you fail at. I like that example. You, like, Oh, I love failure. Sometimes there's not... That's my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a sadistic person. <laughs> People freak, like, uh, you, you ever talk again? Like, Matt, you look so happy today. What are you doing? Failing at life. <laughs> no, I, 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 I definitely am not the type that rejoices in the suffering. Like, I, I, I didn't learn that lesson, right? I'm, I'm definitely a complaint in the moment. I like that person, but like... <clears throat> there, I, I just there's, I, there's so much to learn from strife, in in my opinion, and, and a lot of that comes from, from my life and and where I've created boundaries and the things that I've yeah. been through that's that's created that, that kind of mental bottle that's just like, like oh that looks like a train wreck let's do it, <laughs> <laughs> like not not like a like don't go do stupid things but like you know <clears throat> being able to identify that there's there's healthy. There's healthy stressors, healthy friction, healthy things like that. Putting boundaries on things that, that, you know, the way I look at it like this is that, like, if I go through this pain or if I go through this struggle, am I going to be better on the other side of it? And if the answer is yes, freaking send it, right? Go. Mm-hmm. But if, if, it's, <laughs> if it's not, you know, bolt up the wall, put it up. 
don't don't go right. down that road. Stay away. Well, that's the nuance we keep talking about, right? Like right. it's not always cut and dry. There's a time to sacrifice. There's a yeah. time to carry a cross. Yeah. There's a there's a guy I work with, and <laughs> the way he phrases it is like, "You burn hot." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey man, I'm married. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the sort of way of looking at it. So, how has boundaries made you hopeful? Where has setting up boundaries made you hopeful? I'm going to flip it since we're coming to the end of our time, and I've opened up my diary. Yeah, your diary. Where is it? Where has it made me hopeful? I think it's helped me. Well, so. I had to actually distance myself from everyone in my family, right? Yeah. It's the same same thing. Right? It'd be as vague as you want, man. I'm no, not asking I'll, you to I'll, put I'll, anybody I'll, on blast. I'm saying, but I want to. But yeah. I want to hear how you well so, found hope out of, well, because of boundaries. So there, there's actually. So I'll actually kind of explain what happened, right? So for me, there was an overbearing sense of loneliness and lack of importance that I felt as a child and into my teen years not feeling like I mattered or anything mm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's interesting because the way that that ended up happening was, you know, my dad had a, had a few marriages. Um, my first mother, right, my biological mother, right? Like, there's, there's some instability there, right? Like, a lot. And there were a lot of things that happened that, you know, as I grew, I realized that, I was a pawn in a in a in a game between two people's anger. I was not what I would consider loved. And and, and to be clear, like <clears throat> I think there is love for me, you know, for, from my from my mother. But it's trumped by her own pain and her own insecurities mm. and things like that, right? So so I was a tool in a game. Um, and then I, I suffered some emotional abuse and some physical abuse. Um, in some other places. And then that kind of brought me to a place and my brother did as well. Right. Right. And that brought us to a place where, um, the, the family kind of fell apart. Um, I had a sister, she disappeared at 13. She went to live with, with my, my biological mother. And then that relationship kind of broke down and, and then, you know, no one knows where she has now these days. Um, and, uh, and then my brother, he got into, I don't he got he got wrapped up in in alcohol right you know um and 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 had that and I remember um when I was going to Texas Tech right like he got in a lot of trouble and so he he went to rehab up there in Lubbock and and I you know I remember going to there because I was the only family member that was kind of around Uh and I went I would just visit him anyways like going into my adolescent years you know I and, and my dad super focused on the church you know that sort of thing um you know, doing stuff, and 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 I just there. And my brother, he was four years older than me, and you know, off with his friends and that sort of thing. So there was just a whole lot of times where I was just at home, you know, playing PlayStation Two by myself, right? And and we moved, uh, we moved, I think, thirteen times. Oh my gosh! As as yeah. as PKs, right? Um, as preacher kids, for people who don't know that, um, <clears throat> across Texas. And so, like, you didn't have these long-lasting, like, kids from childhood that you knew. You didn't grow up with people in elementary school. You're like, hey, remember we were in third grade mm-hmm. and we, you know, stole ice cream together? Like, no. Like, you didn't have that, right? right. <clears throat> and so you were always restarting, always there. Um, and in my adolescence years, you know, not really feeling love, not really feeling 
where you need to be. And then you, you really start yearning for something. Right. And then like, you know, and that's about the time you start dating. Right. And so you kind of feel like dating is going to like help fill you up and you start learning these weird emotional dynamics where you're like, Oh, this person makes me feel good. Oh no, not anymore. Cause I'm not cool enough. They dated somebody else. Right. She don't use it. And so like, <clears throat> I just became a really kind of just broken mess as a very young child. Right. I had to grow up really fast and then just didn't know how to cope with a lot of it and just was like super alone. Right. And just felt that way all the time. And like I'd come and stay with y'all sometimes and, you know, we'd hang out in family. And in those moments, you felt like you weren't alone. But the second that like that weekend was over or something like that, you know, you go home and you went back to being depressed, being mad, being upset. And that mm. sort of thing. And, uh, and there was a, <clears throat> you know, we can go into the depths of another time. It got real dark, got real bad. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have a mom, right? I never had one, mm. right? Uh, my brother's gone and my dad's, you know, doing the Lord's work, right? Hmm. And, and I'm, Which made you not like the Lord probably uh, in some ways. You know, ironically, you say that my dad has a really good friend um, and, and he did our marriage counseling, me and my wife. And, and when we did our marriage counseling, he, he asked me, he's like, Matt, do you still believe? And I said, yeah. And he's like, I am freaking shocked. <laughs> <laughs> like, he flat out said it. He's like, I am so surprised um, that you do. And, and, and I can get to that in a second. So anyways. Um, so in those thoughts, you set up a boundary or... Well, so where the boundary came in was, was, um, I was sitting in a hallway in my house in, in Meridian, Texas, and then I had a really toxic relationship with a girlfriend at the time. Um, didn't really have any close friends because of it and everything's just bad. And, and I, you know, having one of these bad bouts of, of issues completely alone and on my own to figure it out. And, um, I, a couple of spiritual things happened there, but at the same time, in, in the midst of those spiritual things happening, there was a, there was something I told myself, and this is kind of I think where self reflection mm-hmm. becomes important. Um, don't let them define your life, and like, and, I, and I, that's when I first noticed that, like, for the past however many years, like I have not been in control. of I felt like I have been a victim of like circumstances or my brother's misbehavior or mm. my mom or my dad or who these, like everyone else's decisions. And I was like, don't like rebel. Like this is where like I directed my anger. I was like, God, no, like I, I have importance. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so your boundary was saying, don't let them define. Right. Your life. Right. That was the first step. And that was the baby boundary, which okay. was like, okay, I'm going to stop listening to these things. I don't know what I'm going to start listening to, but I'm going to stop listening to these things, right? And, and so I doubled down, and I applied to college. And, and here's the thing. I had never thought about going to college. It wasn't like a serious thing. It wasn't like in our household, like the way it was in your household, where it was like, y'all are going to tech. You know, it yeah. was like... I didn't care where we went, but we were going. <laughs> yeah, but like we never yeah. talked about it. it yeah. we, we never did, not until... It not, was just an expectation. It was never an expectation mm-hmm. and, and until like late years um, for this. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to tech because it's a step away from my dad. And what I, what I started to realize was like, because my dad was a preacher... I was having conflations of what religion was and what my dad's teachings were, right? And I realized I hadn't really separated out my God experience versus my dad's 
God experience, mm. right? And like I noticed that in my head, where I would like read a pa- like read something in Scripture, and then I'd hear my dad's voice interpret it, right? And I was like, oh. I haven't really separated these things, right? Like I haven't figured out what God is for me. So that was one thing that I was like, cool, maybe I should question that. Um, and I knew my brother was kind of in a dark spot and I was like, okay, I don't need to follow his path. So that was like kind of a, and in the situation with my mom, I was like, well, it wasn't really rocky. It wasn't really, it was rocky, but it wasn't really like as bad as it had been yet. Mm-hmm. But it was like one of those that like, She's not going to give me the rigor my dad does, though, because my dad was a Marine, right? Like, if I wanted anybody to t- <laughs> help me push through something, it was that dude, right? If I wanted somebody to, like, give me a hug, it wasn't that dude. Right now he gives me hugs, but, like, you, you get it. Like, mm-hmm. he was just tough. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and what was interesting for me is there was this deep-seated fear of loneliness, this, this pain of loneliness. And, and then when I said, I'm not going to let them define it, I'm going to put a boundary in on all these people and I'm going to make it for me. So I went to tech and, and it was good because it, it separated me from my dad because it helped me start to see things through a new lens. I, I pursued my own spirituality, mm-hmm. not, not necessarily influenced by him. And I'm not saying he did bad by influencing me. It's just like, let me find out for myself. Right. Well, his faith can't be your faith. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, even, even in one day, yeah. my kid, but my right. children, like my faith in the right. Lord can't be there. Like they're going to have to choose. Right. And, and then, um, and so for me, like it, it wasn't really one instance. It's been like tons of hard ones. Right. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, I lived, I lived in Lubbock and then it was there and <clears throat> I started kind of making some friends and doing some things. Um, you know, started dating somebody, started getting serious, but then, you know, that, that individual wasn't exactly faithful to me. And then I started feeling these things again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like my, at the time my mom lived in Amarillo, my biological mom lived in Amarillo. And she was like, always like, come down every weekend. You should be here every weekend. I'm like, I want to, I want a life with like my friends at college. I'm not going to like give up my weekends. Like I work and I go to school all week long. My weekends are going to be like build relationships, you know, find my future wife. Cause I was all about that. Like if you, if you ask my wife now, you're like, you know why people didn't want to date you? Because they knew that if they dated you, you're getting married. Cause you're too serious. <laughs> but that's what your wife tells you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what, <laughs> that's why she's like, that's why I made you wait three years before I dated you. <laughs> that's, that's what she'll tell you. I give her crap for it all the time. We're back to the queen and the jester. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Okay. She set up the boundary. Yeah, I got the last laugh. Uh, yeah. yeah, she did. I just, dude, patience breaks those walls down. We'll talk about that different episode. Um, but so anyways, so, you know, I started seeing myself slip back into toxic relationships. I started seeing. So you, so did, so you started slipping back into hopelessness. Yeah, because because for a time you right, were hopeful. You right. had a, you were going to college. You were yeah. going to classes. Dude, you were looking to the future. Like five times at tech. Everybody does. Yeah, but it was based off me trying to find purpose. Like I right. was like, what's that one thing I have to do? Like, yeah. I took like I took the same like career test like fifteen times to see like <laughs> if it would change what I wanted to do, and it was. Like, That's like me and my friend talk about spiritual gift tests in the church. We're like, you know, most of these are bull crap, right? We tell yeah. people that like, oh, no. like, yeah, if you. If you know where they're leading, you know what the questions are at. Like I can make a, I can make a spiritual gift test say whatever I want. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're so prophetic, or you're empathetic. Oh, you're an intercessor. Because yeah. I'm like I know how the questions are being asked. Yeah. You know. Um, 
it's really fun to take those tests with a room full of engineers who like just want to game it. I do that with people at work all the time. We take these like professional tests together and it's, it's fun. Yeah. But I was like, my behaviors are probably re putting myself back into these things. Like I haven't distanced myself far enough. Like that boundary is not set good enough. So that's what I moved uh, back down. Right. Mm -hmm, I, I mm -hmm. transferred schools and I started working all the time and stuff. And, Dude, I worked 35, 36 hours a week, 40 hours a week if I could. I took 18 hours of classes. Yeah. Like I freaking stacked my schedule to where the only time I ever had was like Saturday nights to go to y'all's house to like go to church, right? Like outside of that, I had no time. You worked at Scott and Wire, right? Yeah, 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 or there in Temple. And I and I, uh, I didn't date for like two and a half years. Like I, I just was like, I'm not, I don't have a relationship. Didn't went on a date, didn't, didn't do anything, right? Um, I, I unfortunately I had to put a boundary with my mom and stop talking to her. Right. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really put a boundary in with my brother, but he kind of fell off the radar. Um, and because of the stuff that he's going through and, um, no, he put up his own boundary. Right. And then, you know, my dad was still to his detriment. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I actually think from his perspective, he needs a little bit of it. Um, but the, and I, and I kind of told myself like, Hey, like, your hope is going to be that you're going to get stronger through this and you're going to, you're going to move forward. And, and, and I, and I really just sat down and I kind of figured so, out. So your boundary created loneliness, your boundary created yeah. loneliness. Yeah. I isolated myself. So was that a good boundary? I think it's what I needed. Right. Okay. Because, because loneliness can be a great thing. Well, I mean, the reason why I, I, I say it is because some people need to be alone for a little bit because of the way that I grew up. I never got, I never had a center. Like, I think a lot of people, like the way you kind of describe the situation with your dad, right? Like, you had this experience of who he was and what was happening, and it kind of created this center, and then something moved it away. Right. And then you're like, I got to put a boundary in because that, that's going to cause me problems. And then the center kind of came back. You found like a new center, right? Mm -hmm. For me, I don't think there ever was a center, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you will ask me, like, do you ever remember your parents being married? No. Mm -hmm. You could literally tell me as a child that like this was not your this this person's not your mom or this person is your mom and like I would believe it because there's no foundation like I don't have memories because mm. it happened when I was so young and there was so much dysfunction that happened that's just like <clears throat> it created all this like lack of identity lack of center lack of who you are and so me being alone was the best thing because all I could do was sit there and look myself in the mirror and just figure out who is Matt? What does Matt care about? And to be clear, like I, I didn't have a lot of, I had a lot of life experiences that shaped me from a negative perspective, but I started finding power in myself to say like, you're gonna shape who you are from this day forward. Like you're gonna make decisions that define who you are, right? So you set up a boundary to be alone on purpose. Yeah. And that gave you hope. I don't think it gave me hope right off the bat. It but, led to you having but, hope. But it, it gave me... Because you could look to the future then. It, it made me feel like I was more in control of my destiny. And that gave me hope because then I could say, okay, right. I'm going to put this towards doing something more, right? And then, so, and not to brag about me, but okay, like... But you're going to. But yeah, I am, right? <laughs> yeah, but like... That's all right, man. But like, I'm just kidding. But, but look where I am now. Right. Yeah. Right. Like what I just like to tell people, if you get into the details of everything that happened to me and stuff, it's like, I've got two beautiful daughters. 
right? I've been married to my wife for 10 years, mm -hmm. right? I, I married a high school sweetheart, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that we have a really healthy marriage. She's super hot, so I did a good, I chose well, right? <laughs> you know, like I didn't get tired. I can neither <laughs> agree nor disagree with that statement. Yeah, because yeah, it's a no-fly zone. Um, That's the no-fly zone. It's <laughs> a no-fly zone. But I have a very successful job. I've moved forward. I'm very level-headed. And you know what? I get to coach and help other people through struggles because of what I went through. Sure. Right? And so when people ask me, like, would you ever, you know, would you ever change it? I'd be like, well, you could, but I don't think so because, look, I'm on the other side of it, right? I just, I had to find a but place. But you wouldn't have gotten on the other side of it without the boundary. Right. I wouldn't. If, if, if I had, like, case in point, like, if I had, if I had really, like, my dad's not going to like me saying this, um, well, don't, but don't. I, I, I'm going to say it anyways. Okay. Um, if I had, if I had really like, like, you know, followed and, and didn't kind of distance myself from him to find religion out myself, I probably would have followed in his footsteps and became a pastor as well. And, and I'm sorry, that's just not my calling. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying no, that. You better no, know your call to be yeah, a pastor. Yeah, yeah, but like it's, it's just, not an easy job, right, contrary was, to what people believe. No, it's not, and I, I've seen it firsthand. It's not right, right? but it's that's just not what I needed to do, right? Mm -hmm. And me taking that step away and and learning my spirituality and what I believe helped me figure out like where do I need to be placed, right? And if I had if I had probably stayed too close to to my brother, right? Like I probably would have been an enabler for him. Mm -hmm. for some of the things he was going through and, and that distance needed to be created. So that way he, he could fail and he could feel that pain and he could be get better. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I had, and I still have a boundary with my mom today, like hardly talk. And it's, it's unfortunately something that, you know, it can be healed, but it may not. Right. And yeah, but if you didn't have that, that would, that would lead you to hopelessness because right. it would just bring oh, you it down. Would. It, not would, only it that, would create it, issues it, in your family. Talks, exactly. My daughters cannot be exposed for that. Right. right. Like, and that sort of thing. And so those things I have to have every day, all the time. Mm. That was probably some of the hardest things because <clears throat> I was afraid of being alone. I was fearful of being alone. Loneliness really hurts. And, and I had never had a center. I had never had a place that was like, this is my own. And, and I want to make something very clear here. <clears throat> there is no anger. Like, that's a key thing. Being by myself also made me be like, there's no anger towards my mom. There's no anger towards my dad. There's no anger towards my brother. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no, there's no lack of love. That's the nuance that we keep bringing up, right? Yep. So you set the boundary, which was a hard boundary to set. You became lonely. There were hard times in that moment, but that's that nuance where in that moment, the loneliness, the hardships, those were worth it because it led to you being hopeful because it right. produced right. something in you right. that was worth living for. Right. And I think the hardest, and, and I think this is where, and this could be a different thing, but getting into faith, right? Like you can't see around the corner and know that like that boundary is going to work. But like the thing is, you're gonna have to look at it and know that like if you can see the pain that that thing's giving you, and if you put a boundary in place and that pain removes itself, that's a great first step. And then you need to self sure. Well, that's the point of a boundary, right? Like okay. you know, you can't see, but what you do know is that right. that where you are now, yeah, isn't working. Right. But but to the point is, I think for example, like the the boundary, like I I, I put with with my mother, right? Like if some people may look at that and say like, I can't live a life knowing I never had, you know, 
that person in my life anymore. Right. And the thing is, is like, that's a hard decision you're going to have to make. Mm. And kind of going through these things, I, I think the life cycle of the boundary is like, one is you put them in place to give yourself momentum, to give yourself energy, to give yourself strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then, and some are forever and some right. aren't. But, but then the, and then the boundary comes into a secondhand thing, which the boundary comes in to protect you mm-hmm. and keeps you mentally focused, keeps you spiritually focused if, if that's what you're into and, and helps you focus on how do you continue to pursue that purpose, right? Because I think if you take it from a, a spiritual lens as well too, right? Like, you know, you'll have some people talk about spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. right? And so if you look at it from a, um, that lens, you know, there's, there's forces that are out there that are going to fight you to not do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why having boundaries help you stay on target. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay on target. Stay on target. We're too close. Sorry. <laughs> I said, I sent a, uh, uh, flash email the other day and I put that in there and hoping to like make people laugh. And I got zero responses. <laughs> um, so that was, that was cool. I think yeah. you need to set up that boundary then. Yeah, from my entire organization. <laughs> None of you are funny. You're all in my denialist. Yeah. Um, the important thing is that, you know, boundaries need to become a, like a weapon or a tool in your toolkit, right? For sure. Like, I, I like tool better than weapon. Yeah. Because like you, you don't ever purposely set up a boundary to hurt someone. No, and that's actually a key point. Like what, boundaries shouldn't be weapons. You right? know. Like, like and, and I think that's something that, you know, is a good test for a healthy boundary. Like, did you put that boundary in place to make somebody else suffer? Like, oh, I'm going to stop talking to you because right. I know it makes you feel uncomfortable. Like, oh, I'm going to cold shoulder my wife or my spouse mm-hmm. or my partner or whoever just because. Like, that's not a boundary. That's stop manipulative. It. Right. But, like, I, I would say a boundary is, is, is better. You know, it's, it's healthy if it's cutting something out that, like, continues to bring you down now that doesn't mean people won't think that it hurts them necessarily oh no that's but there's a difference in truth and perception sometimes i mean yeah your perception can be truth but your perception isn't always true yeah well and and i talked about kind of boundaries with my family and how it helped help me grow right but here's the thing like you go and you talk about that boundary with those people that that boundaries there they're going to tell you 100 percent that like that's wrong you know I'll, I'll flat out tell you, I've been called a bastard of a son because of it, right? Well, and, but, but yeah, but, but people that come on the other side of it won't. No, I agree. But uh, the only point I'm just trying to say is that, like, if you're setting a boundary, you just need to also know that, like, look, whether you define if that boundary is going to be healthy or not by the impacts it has on you, if somebody else is upset that that boundary is in place... Right. What I was saying is that's, your motive. I, I guess that's the that's the key phrase. There is your motive for setting a boundary. Yeah, should be to help as you. a tool to help you. Right. Inadvertently, it might hurt feelings, might make some mad, but yeah. you didn't do it to hurt yeah. them. Yeah, you did it for but, a reason to help you. Yeah, and there's an there's an interesting litmus test there too about like, you know, maybe you set your boundary too strongly because it is hurting them right and 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 maybe that's where you you maybe need to relax your boundary a little bit right yeah it depends on the context sure. like like i had a, I have a guy at work like we said boundaries move yeah like i i have a i have a i have a guy at work and like he uh 
he, he said a comment to me one time. He's like, I'm not responsible with how, for how other people's feel, <laughs> right? Like, I can't carry that burden. And I was like, there's, and there's truth to that. Somewhat, like, yeah. It's not, right? But the thing that I was like, uh, what, I, what I said is like, that, well, that is true. And like, that is in many ways, you know, correct. I was like, you know, where you're using that mental model, though, like, because you, you're using that to establish a boundary, mm-hmm. right? Like, you may be setting that too harshly, mm-hmm. right? You're, and it could be a cop out for you not to take responsibility for your right. own actions. And, like, and, no, yeah. You, and it, it gets into know. some weirdness there, like, and how you perceive and deal with that. Yeah. But it's, it's just one of those things that, like, being vocally self critical, that's a phrase we use at work a whole lot. Um, people will figure out where I work by that. Um, but like, <laughs> but, but like, I wouldn't, I have no just, idea. Just go Google it. You'll find out right it <laughs> quickly. But, but you need to be honest with yourself. Like when I set a boundary, is it because it's going to make me better or is it because I'm, I'm looking to shut the world off? And so coming back to my story, like when I set boundaries to be alone, you know, I, I didn't think to myself, I want to be alone. I hate everyone. I'm putting these boundaries in place. It was, I want to have a great marriage. I want to know God in my own way. I don't want to fall into dependencies on drugs and things in life to make me better. I don't want to feel manipulated. I don't want to feel hated. I don't want to feel useless. I don't want to feel broken. Like, I'm tired of feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And here's all these stupid things in my life that do this. And guess what? I'm shutting the door on you, right? right. And, and, and that's why I set those boundaries. The result was I was alone. But it's what I needed, right? Um, it's not what I need now, <laughs> but it's what I needed then. And I, and I think that's the thing is like if, if it's very altruistic, like you'll get benefits from it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think when, when someone's, you know, going through this exercise to set those things up, you know, it's a critical a critical mindset that needs to be established. 